This segment of the show was sponsored by our friends at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret that pros know. A larger, lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and release the secret pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet. The winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence. Grip Golf Pride. All right, now back and get this, making his 12th appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is one of my all-time favorite guests, Bob Friend Jr. Let me remind you about Bob's background. He's from my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He played his college golf at LSU where he and David Toms and the rest of their LSU teammates won the 1986 SEC Championship. He had 11 career top 10 finishes while he was at LSU. He won the Pennsylvania State Championship in back-to-back years in 1984 and 85, turned pro in 87. He's played on the Nationwide, PGA, and Champions Tours. He had five top 10 finishes his rookie year on the Nationwide Tour, including a second-place finish at the El Paso Open. He got his first win at the 1991 Fort Wayne Open. He had five top 10 finishes in 1994, three more in 97. In all, he's finished in the top 10 27 times. Baseball fans are going to remember Bob's father, Bob Friend Sr., who pitched in the major leagues from 1951 to 1966, mostly with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and was a key member of their 1960 World Series championship team that beat the New York Yankees. Bob's been a great friend, like I say, for nearly six years now, and I'm thrilled to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bob, thanks for coming back on the show. Well, Chris, it's always great to speak with you again. You're the most prepared host. I've ever spoken to on the radio. I appreciate you, my friend. Bob, before we get into all the golf stuff, I got to ask you, you got your LSU Tigers in uh, Alabama this Saturday afternoon, one versus two. How are you feeling about the game? You know, I, I'll be honest with you, Chris. You know, in years past, I've always, it's just a feeling of dread. Um, look, the, the strength of Alabama is, the, is always been their offensive and defensive line. Uh, I mean, those guys literally are like bulldozers with breakneck speed. Um, they still have that. But the difference this year at LSU is Steve Ensminger, the uh, the offensive coordinator, and Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow is having a Heisman-type year. We have an explosive offense for the first time in I don't know how long. So it's, I, I, I actually have a pretty good feeling going in. Look, Alabama is going to be very, very difficult to beat. Nick Saban is always prepared. Tua is, is questionable, um, you know, so, you know, you don't know what that offense is going to look like. Um, you know, LSU, I just saw something on Twitter where Michael Divinity, our linebacker, um, is leaving the team for personal reasons. That's going to be a blow. But overall, I feel, I feel the Tigers, the first time in a long time, actually have a chance to beat this team and because uh, they are really good. So let's think about the positive, right? Let's focus on that. So if they get past Alabama, is this an LSU team that can get into the playoffs and win a national championship? I, I, absolutely. I, I, look, again, the number one thing is, is everybody going to be healthy? Um, I absolutely believe that. I think that uh, this team just has a different feel. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge LSU fan. Whether they win or not, whether they lose, I bleed purple and, I bleed purple and gold. My, uh, my wife, uh, Claire, you know, last year, she had never been to a college football game. Took her down to LSU Tiger Stadium, and we went to the Georgia LSU game. 103,000 people, big blowout win for the Tigers. 
And uh, she just looked at me and she just said, now I understand. You know, it's one of those things where uh, whether they win or whether they lose, once it's in your blood, you are a fan forever. And so uh, I honestly believe, you know, you take a look at Clemson. Clemson plays nobody. Ohio State has a great football team. Penn State has a great football team. But I honestly believe that LSU and Alabama are a little bit better than the rest. And I think that, uh, you know, if they can go and beat this Alabama team this Saturday, I think it's going to do an awful lot for their confidence. And uh, provided nobody gets injured, I I think that uh, they have a good opportunity to win their fourth national championship. Do you think they have the right mindset, Bob, to not have a post-Alabama game letdown and then let that ruin their opportunity to get into a, a playoff and, and obviously then move on and win a national championship? Do they have the right mindset for that? I do. I honestly believe it. I think the coach will. Um, I, I, just, I just think it's just it, that this team just feels different. It just feels different. And uh, I honestly believe that he's got them focused and their eyes on the prize and they see the opportunity that they have. And again, uh, as most of your listeners know, how many, how many football players in the history of college sports have the opportunity to win a national championship? So I think that they're going to be incredibly focused, and Lord willing, uh, they're going to get through the game with no injuries. Bob, I also want to get an update on your son, Andrew, who's playing this college golf for Central Alabama Community College and head coach Dave Jennings. They won a, a, a community college national championship earlier this year. How's Andrew doing? He's doing great. He, uh, you know, they had their ring ceremony a couple of weeks ago where he does national championship ring. Um, you know, he didn't play much as a freshman. It's, again, it's one of those things where it's a little bit of a learning experience. Uh, you know, it's funny. You know, you sit there and as a as a as a guy that played on the PGA Tour and, and played college golf and was a good amateur and this, that, and the other. There are certain guys that you that you see is like they get out there on tour. It's like I never heard of this guy, and they go out they win. I mean, look at Rich Beam. I mean, Rich Beam was he was a nice player, but he wasn't a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, you know, Rich Beam ends up winning the PGA Championship. Um, Andrew is one of those guys that he has enormous talent, enormous ability. Swings. Uh, his, the lines on his golf swing are absolutely beautiful, and he creates effortless power similar to that of Ernie Els. I mean, he swings it around 115 to 118 miles an hour. To put that in perspective, the average, tour, average swing speed on the PGA Tour is 113. Andrew does that without looking like he's doing anything. So he's learning a lot. Coach Jennings is a fantastic golf coach. They've got a great, they've got a great team. They've got a great program down there, and uh, they played a great facility called Willow Point, which, which is a Michael Hertzan design. And, uh, man, you just can't help but get better down there. Bob, there are a couple things I want to get your thoughts on as an instructor. And the game is all about speed right now. And, and when I was taught the game, it was drilled into my head to let the club do the work. It was all about swing, you know, swing tempo, having a nice, smooth, easy swing, let the club do the work. And like I say, right now, it's all about swing speed. Is it possible to have both really good tempo, and have increased swing speed? Absolutely. Take a look at Sam Snead, perhaps the greatest natural golf swing in the history of the game. What you, want to, what you have to understand is this. The speed comes from, and the power comes from, the lower body. What you have to remember is that the speed is really, it's at the moment of impact. It's not the transition. Where most amateurs get into an issue, is that their transition, once the club gets to the top of the swing, once it reaches its apex, they're very quick to try to 
jump at it with their arms. And usually what happens with that is they end up what's called dumping the angle. They're trying to hit the golf ball with their hands, trying to hit the golf ball with their arms. And basically they, they lose the angle, which is where all the power comes from. You take a look at a guy like Ricky Fowler, who is diminutive in size. Um, he hits a tremendous distance because of the so-called lag in the golf swing. The lag comes from, number one, being very flexible. And number two, it's a, it's, a, it's a difference between what the shoulders are doing and what the lower body is doing in the transition. So, you, you know, you take a look at a guy like Sam Snead, you take a look at a guy like Ernie Els, who hits at tremendous distances. Doesn't look like he's doing anything. Great tempo for his entire career. Davis Love, fantastic tempo. Roy McIlroy, they have great tempo but they also have tremendous speed. Some of it is stuff that can be taught. And frankly, some of it is stuff that is just God given. Um, you know, you go and you take a look, you take a look at two sprinters. And because I'm 55 years old, I'm going to take a look. I'm going to talk about Carl Lewis. If you took two athletes, you put them next to each other, you know, Carl Lewis and another sprinter, you take a look at them, take a look at their body types. And say, it's like, Oh man, they're, they're going to be fantastic. One guy might run like he's carrying a refrigerator and Carl Lewis is setting world records all over the world every year in, year out. Certain athletes have quick twitch muscles. Tiger Woods has quick twitch, twi- quick twitch muscles. Brooks Kepka, Davis Love, um, Rory McIlroy. Some guys, you know, they look like they should hit it a long way, and they just don't. And other guys, you know, Tom Watson was the same way. Pretty small guy, but he had quick twitch muscles, created a lot of, lot of speed at the moment of impact. So you still want to have good tempo in your transition, um, but you just, you know, the, the speed comes from, again, flexibility, and it comes from what, how quickly does the lower body unwind to the moment of impact. Bob, you put out a tweet yesterday talking about how former tour players don't always make the best teachers, but what they bring is experience of what is going to work under the gun and how to think. Talk about what you meant by those two things. Well, sure, sure. You sit there. Look, there's a lot of great teachers in the United States in the PGA of America. Um, but the one thing that the PGA Tour player brings is you have to be very, very careful when you're working with them. Number one, you always want to teach to body type. Um, you know, the last thing that you'd want to do is a guy that's built um, like, oh, let's say, um, Joaquin Neiman and have him study Hal Sutton. I mean, two totally different body types. So the tour player, number one, what they're going to do is that they're really going to realize that you have to focus on the fundamentals. When you go and you take a look up and down the PGA at the PGA Tour event on a Tuesday where the guys are doing most of the practice, the guys really working on fundamentals. Um, when Nicholas always ran into issues, it was Jack Rout was his guy. They would work on ball position. They'd work on posture they'd work on alignment um those are the fundamentals a tour player also realizes that there's certain things that you're going to be able to take to the golf course and there's certain things you are not so when it comes to evaluating students number one you know you have to figure out how much time is this person really going to be able to give to what i'm going to talk to them about and number two how long is it going to take and how much work is going to have to be put in so a tour player is going to realize, a tour player realizes more than a PGA instructor that has never, never played. You've got a lot of guys that are, that are good players at the club level, 
uh, the great players at the section level, this, that, and the other. But you also have a lot of guys that are teaching that are not necessarily good players. You have, as a, a tour player will always give you what you're going to be able to take to the golf course. They're going to spoon feed you as opposed to overloading you. That's, that's really what I think it is. Tour player is going to spoon feed you. You know, I'm going to give you maybe one, you're going to leave. We're going to take a look at your posture. You know, most issues that I see in the golf swing are caused by poor posture and poor ball position. And so we're going to take a look at those things. We're going to take a look at your grip. We're going to take a look at your shoulders. And then once we get through those things and make sure that nothing needed to be changed there, then you're going to, you might give a guy one swing thought. And that's because as a tour player, you know that once you're out there competing, uh, you can't really be out there with more than one swing thought at a time because your focus has to be on the target. The other thing that tour players have that other non-tour players have, we have the ability to think. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to have um, a guy that is a, is a pretty good player and, he, you know, he plays pretty well in the section. It's totally different when you go and that same guy tees it up in the U.S. Open or tees it up in the PGA Championship or tease it up in a, in a PGA Tour event. There is an ability that tour players have to compartmentalize and organize their thoughts that other non-players, they, they just don't have that knowledge. And what you're able to do as a tour player is you're able to impart that knowledge upon your students. Basically, okay, what are you thinking about? Okay, great. I understand that. I understand that. And and tour players are going to be able to deliver knowledge, workable knowledge. And other other instructors they, they just they don't have the knowledge because they never played at the highest level. And the fact of the matter is that once a person can get the ball airborne and once a person can get the ball basically going in the general direction of their target, the game is the game's about eighty percent mental. Bob, you mentioned target. And another way I think tour pros think differently than the rest of us is with respect to hazards, particularly water and sand. When we look at water in front or alongside of a green, we tend to panic a little bit. We let the idea of hitting it into the water affect us. Well, I'm guessing you guys aren't even thinking about that. You're thinking about shot shape, maybe wind, that sort of thing. Talk about what goes through of a PGA Tour professional in those situations and what we should be focusing on instead of all the negative stuff. Well, the first thing that you want to do is that when you get a negative, look, we all get negative thoughts. Um, you know, there's certain, you know, Mr. Hogan spoke uh, famously about the 11th hole at Augusta National Golf Club. His comment was, if you ever saw me on the green on my second shot, now granted the hole played a lot differently than it does now. These guys are hitting one iron, two iron, three irons into that green with the water hard left on the left-hand side. What Mr. Hogan said was, he said, if you ever saw me on that green, it was a mistake. I pulled it. The point was that the shot did not fit his eye. Look, as a tour player, we all have fear. We all, we all experience it. You'll sit there and you'll get up on a tee where you had a shot in a green, and for some reason, it's just, it, doesn't, it just doesn't fit your eye. So what the tour players are able to do is basically not get alarmed by that, uh, not get panicked by that, just kind of you recognize it as an old friend. It's like getting the butterflies. We all get nervous. Uh, if you don't get nervous, if you're not getting nervous, then it's not important enough to you. But what tour players do that the, that the amateurs do not do is that, number one, we develop a routine. When I mean routine, so what I'm talking about is this. In between shots, uh, you want to pick out three or four different things 
that you're going to let your mind go. And, you know, with the tour, you obviously got a caddy. It's a little bit easier because you have a guy that's on your team and you can talk about various things. You talk about sports, politics, uh, kids, vacations, whatnot. And then as soon as that golf bag is set down by the golf ball, that's when you start drawing your focus. What's the lie look like? What's the yardage? Where's the wind? Where's the whole location? What do I need to be aware of? What club do I like? Once the club is pulled, then that player gets into his routine. And the routine is usually, if you take a look at tour players, most routines start back behind the golf ball. So for me, what I always did was, as a shooter, it's easy for me to understand, and, and we're on the Armed Forces Radio Network, you know, the old sniper motto is aim small, miss small. And so, so let's say that I want to have a ball end up in the left side of the fairway and there's water on the right-hand side. Well, if there's water on the right-hand side, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to tee the ball up on the right-hand side, basically so I can aim away and hit away from that water. The next thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to pick out a leaf on a tree or a window on a building. might be five or 600 yards away or three or four miles away. Very small, specific target. And once I have that target, I hold that small target in my mind's eye and I swing away. You know, my old, the guy that I used to work with when I was on tour uh, is Bob Rotella, the world-renowned golf sports psychologist. And, you know, it comes down to a certain, there's a certain time when you're playing the game of golf that you have to trust what you're doing. You know, he talks about you go to the range to train it, you go out in the golf course to trust it. And, you know, he always used to tell me famously, and I'm sure he told other players, that if you don't have the courage to trust what you've trained, then all you're doing at the range is exercise and go join a gym. So what you want to do is you want to pick out a small, specific target in line with where you want the ball to finish, hold it in your mind's eye, and just trust the golf ball is going to go there. It's, it's kind of hard to understand, um, but the more control you give up, the more control that you're going to have. If you get out there and you start guiding it, the muscles have a tendency to get tight and taut, and that ball can go anywhere. So, look, we all get scared. We all have fear. Four players have a better way of dealing with it because they've been there so often. And so, hence, it goes back to talking with her students. What do I do? I've got this shot. Well, this is what you do. You get back. You know, if the water's on the right, you want to tee it up on the right. Water's left, tee it up left. You want to hit away from the water, hit away from the trouble, pick out your mind, pick out your target, hold your mind's eye, and you know, and also breathe, relax. You know, one of the very most powerful things that we can do as human beings is smile. You know, so if I ever had a if I ever had a situation that was very very tense or very very you know unnerving, I'd smile. And when you smile, it just automatically you can feel the the tension drops out of your neck, drops out of your shoulders. You get more relaxed and gives you the opportunity to hit a better shot. And Bob, speaking of intense situations, one of the things that I think is the hardest thing to do on tour seems to be go out and play a final round with a big lead. We've seen some of the best players in PGA Tour history, guys like Greg Norman, more recently Jordan Spieth, and even Brooks Kepka. you know, this year, head into a final round of a major with a five or six stroke lead and then let it get away. How would you teach someone to go play with that kind of lead and free up your mind, free up your body versus playing conservatively and playing not to lose? Uh, you have to sprint to the finish. You know, it's like anything, you know, when we were kids, either in gym class or whether you ran competitively in your high school or college or in your junior high school, you know, your track coach is always telling you to sprint to the finish. 
And it's the same thing. You know, you, if you're if you're five under par, uh, you know, I always made a habit of never looking at the leaderboard until there were nine holes left in the golf tournament. Because uh, what I was going to do is you're, you're basically jockeying for position. You're trying to give yourself an opportunity to win the golf tournament. So if you're, you know, if, if when I got to the point where if I was five under par, I wanted to get to six. If I was six, I wanted to get seven. It's that sprint mentality. Look, everybody goes through it. We're human. People make mistakes, uh, even at the highest level. But the fact of the matter is those guys, those collapses came from trying to be careful, trying to be perfect, trying to be cautious, as opposed to doing what got them in that position, which was there are certain red light uh, hole locations, there are certain green light hole locations, and there are certain yellow light hole locations. You know, when you have a, whether you're leading by two or three shots, when you have an eight iron or less in your hands, you'd better be taking dead aim at that flagstick because that's where you're going to build the birdies. You know, I always had the mentality that if you're, you know, if I've got a three-shot lead, I want to get it to four just in case I happen to, you know, crap the bed, so to speak, coming down the stretch. I wanted to pad that lead as much as I possibly could coming down the stretch. So I had that ability that if I stumbled, if I wasn't, if I didn't get my mind in the right place uh, and made a mistake, that I had enough of a cushion. So it comes from trying to be careful. It comes from trying to be cautious. And it comes from trying to be perfect. Look, again, as I said, you've got red light hole locations, yellow light hole locations, and green light hole locations. The way that I always looked at it, if I had an eight iron down to my wedges, I'm hitting it at the flagstick. Seven iron depends upon where the hole location is cut. Is it cut over bunker, near out of bounds, water, this, that, and the other. Six iron all the way down to your hybrids, put the ball in the middle of the green. Walk away, two putt, occasionally you might get lucky, either pull one or push one, get it within eight to ten feet. But for the most part, you build your birdies with your eight iron on down, whether you're leading by four or whether you're leading by one or whether you're back by five. Green, yellow, red, hole locations, and always stick with that. Bob, one more before I let you go, and we've got the President's Cup coming up here in a few weeks. If it was Team Captain Bob Friend with your four captain's picks, who are you picking? Well, I haven't looked at the standings too much, but I know I'm picking Tiger Woods. Uh, you know, that, is that right? That really is, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, number one, what you want to do is that you want to take a look to see uh, who is playing the best at the time. You know, that's one of the big mistakes he always made in the Ryder Cup until, you know, Azer got in there and kind of tweaked it a little bit and made basically freshen the lesson. Um, to where they were more current. Yeah, I absolutely. You know, Tiger, Tiger should pick himself. Number one, it's, he, he is, when he's on, when he's healthy, we already know that he is, although he's not the Tiger Woods of 10 years ago, he is a force to be reckoned with, reckoned with and he's also very intimidating. Um, and number two, frankly, it's great for the game. I mean, think about all of the all of the activity and all of the excitement that that occurred after and building up to during the Masters of this past year. Uh, that is great for golf, especially when you take a look to see the time of year it's played with football season and everything else. Tiger Woods selects himself as the president on the President's Cup team as playing captain. I mean, what could be better for the game than that? Bob, before I let you go, remind our listeners what you're doing now 
how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you on social media as well. Well, what I do, what I'm doing now is I'm in the real estate business. I'm with Howard Hanna Real Estate Services, and we are uh, based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Howard Hanna Real Estate Services is uh, we're in ten states, and we're the third largest real estate company in the United States. We're the third largest insurer of homes in the United States. We've got Howard Hanna Insurance, Howard Hanna Mortgage, and obviously Howard Hanna Real Estate Services. And so I've been doing that. I'm going to be uh, finishing up my third year this year. Just like my golf career, as Eric Johnson said, I got the most out of my talent out there. It's the same thing with uh, everything that I do. I, I just I will not be out work. And so I work very hard at real estate. I've done very well with it, and I love the business. And then uh, you can still find me on Twitter at, uh, at BobFriend underscore golf. And occasionally we'll send out uh, something there when, uh, when I feel that it is necessary. But uh, enjoying my kids, my daughter turned 22 on Sunday. My youngest, Andrew, who you alluded to, is uh, he's going to turn 20 on the 12th. My oldest, Charlie, they're all fall babies. Uh, my oldest turned 24 on September 18th. And uh, just uh, really enjoying life. And, uh, you know, I, you, I don't know if you knew this or not, Chris, but I lost my dad uh, in February. Yeah. He, was, uh, he was 88, longtime pirate pictures you alluded to. Uh, my mom is 84, and she's tougher than new elevator rope. And so, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, having this gal, having, uh, you know, having dinner with her and spending time with her. And uh, I'm newly married, married uh, my best friend, Claire Oliver. She's now Claire friend and uh, beautiful girl that plays a little bit of golf. And uh, she's pretty tough, too. So I'm surrounded by a bunch of tough women. Ah, good for you, my friend. That's awesome. And I did see that we lost your father earlier this year. What a hero he was to just about, uh, you know, everyone in Pittsburgh and Western Pennsylvania and, and certainly to my family, my parents, my aunts and uncles who uh, were huge fans of those Pirates teams and uh, certainly huge fans of your father. So uh, my heart goes out to, to you and your family with that. On the positive side, congratulations on your wedding. Uh, happy belated birthday to your daughter. We're certainly going to continue to follow uh, your son, Charlie, and your son, Andrew, and, uh, and their careers and the great things that they'll be doing. But uh, um, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. Uh, you're a wonderful friend and a great supporter, and I can't thank you enough for all of that and for all the times that uh, you've come back and be a part, being a part of the show. You're fantastic, my friend. Well, Chris, thank you very much. And again, to all the men and women in the armed forces all around the world, Thank you very much. From the bottom of my heart, uh, you guys provide that blanket of freedom and liberty for us to enjoy the wonderful activities such as playing golf and the life that we lead here in the United States. So thank you very much, Chris. Always great to speak with you. God bless and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks, Bob. Same to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. All right, Chris. Thank you very much. Good night. See you, Bob. That's the great Bob Friend Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Bob Friend underscore golf. A lot of great stuff on there. He's, like I say, he's uh, he had a great career out on the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour champions. Uh, he's doing some great instructional work, so I encourage you to follow him. Try to reach out to him if you're up in the western Pennsylvania area. Reach out to him. He's going to be a great golf coach for you. Um, like I say, and on top of that, he's a, a 10 times better person, been a, a huge friend and supporter of the show almost since the very beginning. So I appreciate him very much. Look forward to getting him back on the show again real soon.